oh, hey, it's your sister-in-law who's staying in your guest bedroom recording a podcast because it's the day after Christmas. Hi, it's Allie Ward. This is a weird one of ologies. It's not a typical one of ologies. This is an AMA that I'm handing off to you on a platter of leftovers. It's not really a platter of leftovers, but you're like, oh, it's like when you make a sandwich with the leftovers. Um, It's holidays. And here's a little fun one, a little out of the ordinary. Y'all on Patreon submitted a bunch of questions asking me anything. So we're going to run through as many as we can. If you're like, how do I do that? How do I become a patron? It's a dollar a month, one big dollar a month. You can join at patreon.com slash ologies and submit questions before we record. Also, thank you to everyone who leaves reviews. Um, I don't have one in front of me. I usually read one, but we're doing this to see if we can do no edits And so there's going to be stumbles, there's going to be weird stuff in here, but I'm enlisting the help of my former editor and current husband, Jarrett Sleeper, to ask me questions. We were going to have Mercedes Maitland do it, but she's off for the holiday, and so we're pulling someone back into the fray who no longer edits ologies because it's more fun to just be married than to have to work together on deadlines all the time. Anyway, I'm already letting this get away from me. We're going to answer some of your questions. Some of them are weird. Some of them are like how to do a podcast and others are like, why do you wear that sweater all the time? So let's go. Here we go. Welcome to the AMA of Allie Ward. In many senses, one could consider this alleology. Oh boy. Okay. We're lying in uh, the guest bedroom of Jared's sleeper, Samantha Sleeper, um, and Chris Berry, and we're laying in bed, lying in bed. The dog's between us. We're going to run through your questions. We have 39 pages of questions you submitted. We're going to get to every single one of them. I think this episode is going to be probably six, maybe like 10, 12 hours. Yeah, I'm going to do all, every single one. Perfect. Ideally. Perfect. We've got lozenges. We have, uh, I'm hooked up to an IV for hydration. I'm wearing astronaut diapers. Let's go. Oh, hey. That's, that's me because I'm the interviewer this time. Okay, cool. All right. This first question comes from Daniel Schmaniel. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I wish I had an audio clip. Maybe I can put one there, but I wanted to be Porky Pig or a star in the sky. My mom recorded me asking what I wanted to be. And I distinctly remember (laughs) wanting to be Porky Pig. I didn't understand that that was not an option for a human being. I suppose I could still cosplay as that. No one's telling me I can't. In some sense, you know, you you still get to, you get to go, but that's all folks. Yeah. You know, which is kind of a porky quality. I'm pissed. I didn't have that as my sign off all these years. A star in the sky. Little did I know as a tiny tot that we all started off as stardust, didn't we? You can see the cosmology episode for more on that. <laughs> for more on that, it's linked to the bio. All right. Josh yeah. Fry asked, when you were a kid, let's say 10 to 12-ish, what did you imagine about adult oh, what did you imagine about adult life that is one, closest to your life today, and two, furthest from your life today? Wow, that's a complicated question. I imagined that when I was around the age of 24, I pictured myself and I was wearing a lavender business suit with shoulder pads and an updo 
and I was holding a child on my hip and there was another child. And I thought as a 24 year old, I would probably have two children and I'd wear lavender business suits. Wow. I got, I nailed that one. (laughs) I hit my 24th birthday and I was like, get the suit out of the bag. And then I just, I don't know where those kids went. I liked them when I had them. Now, I didn't have any kids or a lavender business suit at 24 or an updo. So that was wrong. One thing about being an adult, it's pretty tight. You can eat pie for breakfast if you have stable blood sugar and you can still have a job that's fun. I remember I liked to look through the classified ads as a kid, which were still on newspaper, and be like, oh, I could do this job or this job. But then I found out that all the best jobs aren't in the classified ads in the back of a newspaper. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Because those were all like trade jobs that I didn't know how to do at the time. Right. But also... Um, a lot of ways, those do sound like the best jobs they to me do, now. Yeah. My little brother just finished working on a Christmas tree farm. That sounds pretty I great. Know, I know. But at the time, I couldn't just slide into those. I needed way more skills. Okay, so that was closest to your also closest to your life today, though. Um, I have a dog. Mm-hmm. You she's thought you were gonna have a dog? Great, yeah. She's great. She's when I thought about having a dog, I was like, what if it just, what if it's just like a frozen yogurt machine of poop and it hates me? Well, it kind of is one of those things. She does hate us sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's pretty well trained in the bowel department, though. <laughs> Les Johnson asks. When did you first expand your audience beyond your elementary classroom? You must have always wanted to share knowledge. I like how you're giving some spice to these. <laughs> Just trying to read them without stumbling too hard. I like it. And I should have put glasses on because I'm squinting a lot <laughs> at the screen. In- so, increase you know. the font size, like zoomy zoom. No, I, I like the challenge. Um, I forgot that question. Well, there wasn't really a qu- well. There was a question in the first half, but when then there was I a commentary start- afterwards. When did you first expand your audience beyond your elementary classroom? You must have always wanted to share knowledge. My best friend growing up uh, was named Erin Campbell, and she lived across the street from me. And we met when we were four, and she was six months older than me. So I thought she knew absolutely everything in the world. She was also in a first grade and kindergarten grade mixed classroom. So I was like, she knows everything first graders do. She's the smartest person in the world. And I think once I told her something about acorns, she didn't know. And I was like, wow, Mm. wow. This is exciting to share things with people who I thought knew everything. Funny side note about Erin Campbell, her name now, Erin Talbert. She's admin of the Ologies podcast Facebook Mm -hmm, group. mm -hmm. We thank her at the end of every episode. Erin, I love you. Do you like like is it um is it is it the feeling that you the feeling that you get that you told someone that thing they didn't know or is it the feeling um that you believe you're witnessing someone else have as they learn something new? I think I like learning stuff so much. It's nice to reciprocate. I had this uncle Bob who at the family reunions would take us out on a mm-hmm. canoe and be like, that's an osprey nest. That's a turtle. And I was like, wow, if I hadn't hopped in this canoe with Uncle Bob, I wouldn't know anything. I wouldn't know jack shit about the ecology of this lake. So I, I think Uncle Bob also was one of those. But um, it, he was like in the forestry service and a bit of a naturalist. Not a naturalist, like a, a nude, but like a nat. 
I think that's a different, I think that's a slightly different word, but right. um, I think so. It was just like, oh, I suddenly appreciate things around me that I didn't before. So yeah. I think I, I like giving people context for things that might make them appreciate their surroundings more. Cause I like that. I remember going on like a hike with someone who was into foraging and realizing like just how that context you can eat that. You can use this as a medicine. Or, you know, hiking when I was a kid, they were like, at the bark of the aspen tree is something that turned into aspirin. I was like, oh, it really does change. It's no longer just a pretty thing you're looking at. It's like a world you're involved with that's involved with you. We have an uh, ethnobotany episode coming up. I think it's a willow tree, but I don't know. I think you're right. But aspirin and Aspen, that'd be tight. The marketing needs to get it on that. It is something like that. It, there is something <laughs> at the bark. Well, of you're going to have to wait for the ethnobotany. I'm going to have to make an aside for this while I edit it. Are we, are we doing asides? Probably not. Okay, good. <laughs> this is a D your own asides episode. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Google it yourself. Yeah. Some, <laughs> extensively Google and vet yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Someone someone did ask this. I, this is not a highlighted one, but I'm going to ask because I think this kind of stuff is I think is fun to potentially. Rick Peralta asked, so after discovering you grew up in Sacramento and are almost the same age as me, I have to know, which school did you go to? Oh, William Brooks Elementary, which better not be any question on any things to get into my passwords of stuff. Gosh, I hope not. Um, it was in Eldorado Hills, uh, which was outside of Sacramento. And at the time, it was mostly cow pastures. And I don't think the high school was a Credited. I think it was not seen in the eyes of our Lord, the U.S. States of America, that uh, <laughs> um, that reminds me of that. I, I personally believe. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. You thought the exact same thing. Uh, that some people don't have maps, and <laughs> such as, for example, such as, and for such as, I believe. Uh, I think if I had to do an aside here, I think it was Miss Teen, like North Carolina, gave an answer about geography. Um, I personally believe. Yeah, that's that legendary in math some communities. People out there. <laughs> but yeah, it was not accredited. And now it that town has turned very shishi and there's like a Mercedes dealership. But yeah, um at the time it was cow pastures and we would romp around and I would uh my sister and I would uh get a stick and we'd go out and look for cow patties and one of us would poke the cow patty with a stick and the other would try to decide how old it was and write it down on a clipboard. Field work. From a young age. Kind of on the heels of that, Mish the Fish asked, what was your favorite part of being a UCSB gaucho? Mine was the free massage chair at Caps. Mm. Um, I don't know what any of that means. I went to US, U, UCSB? UCSB for my first year of college. And um, so I was a, a gaucho, I was the mascot. I'm not exactly sure what a gaucho does. I think they Is wear it a cowboy. I think they wear some kind of pants with flair of, so kind it's of like some a kind. But my favorite part about going to UCSB, I'm sorry, dear listener, was transferring because it was so <laughs> fucking expensive that I went for one year and then I bounced to go to the community college because I could get all of those credits for like twelve dollars a unit. And so I'm so sorry. If you are on the fence about college or whatever. JV's community college, your best friend. I went oh, to yeah. two different ones, like one during the summers. Um, and yeah, I got a bunch of credits. And guess what? No one in my life has ever asked me, hey, did you go to a junior college for some of this? Nope. Nope. 
never happens. And it was a lot less expensive. And I don't have student loans now. I paid them off years ago. Okay. Well, on that note, Colby Evans asked, how did you do in school? You're incredibly bright and quick-witted. And I love your use oh, of language. Stop. Well, I think that too, but that is what Colby Evans and other people who like that. That's nice. Interested to hear if some of that developed later in life. If I did okay in school? Yeah, during school, or you know, your brightness, your quick wit, your love, your use of language that we love. I did always love language. My family's a bit of punsters. That's true. And um, I did pretty well in school because I was always pretty interested in things. I still remember uh, field trips to tide pools and drawing pictures of animals and stuff. And in terms of English and writing, a lot of people in my family are writers. So if you write a text on the family thread and you have a typo, it's very shameful because there's a lot mm. of editors in my family as well. Not that they shame you, but it's personally you feel right, right, right. ashamed. I get it. High standards. Yeah. Um, but what about grades and stuff like school? How did you? How were you in school? school? I did pretty well. I did all right. I gave the valedictory speech in my high school, but I was not the high. I did not what? have the highest GPA. I think they were just like, "Does anyone want to do a speech?" And I was like, "I've got some things to get off my chest." <laughs> so I talked about sexism. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Should we move on from my young, from my youth? No. I don't know. We got I, way more. We got be... memories. We got goth days. This is AMA episode. I think you should just. But there's so. I think just scroll up come and find on, a random come on. one. It's alleyology. It's fun. I'm having fun. Interview. I care. I'm gonna. I want to start a podcast where I interview my wife. I didn't know you did Yikes. the valedictory. Speech. Yeah, I did. Wow, that's really I interesting it to about, me. Uh, it was all about institutions. I want to know this. I want to know this too. Stephanie Trout Berman. Did you ever get sent to the principal's office? No. In fact, I only cut class one time, and I asked my mom, "Can you just write me a fucking note for this? I want to go to the museum and uh, and maybe the mall in San Francisco and eat a, some clam chowder out of a bread bowl." And she was like, "How are you doing on your homework?" And I'm like, "I'm." pretty much got up and she was like, all right. But I, I didn't cut class a lot because I was just like, Ugh, I'm going to have to catch up later. So I just went. But then at the same time, I was like 16 and wearing like fishnet shirts going to goth clubs. So oh, we're gonna get I don't to the know. Goth days. So I was, I was like There's a whole good, section of questions list called the goth days. Oh boy. I, I was a good kid mostly because I felt like if I tried to cut corners, it'd just be like shooting myself in the dick. You I know what it, I mean? I, I was it. just like, I'm here to I'm here to learn. I'm just going to get through it. But I, I, so, and my sister, my older sister had like a rebellious streak and I sometimes saw how that would turn around and, mm. and bite her in her own ass. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take classes I like. So I, I think I felt like the rebellion but really was like you weren't like, like 100% straight A's kid. No, no. I got B's here and there. Okay. Here and there. Yeah. But I was, but I also had, I guess I had, I had friends whose parents were harder on them for grades. And yeah. so I just ask them like, hey, how does this theorem work? And because their parents were so hard on them for grades, they'd usually be able to explain yeah. it to me. Smarter, not harder. Yeah. Okay. What's your funniest childhood memory? Asks Charlene. Once uh, my family and I were watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure and there's a scene where uh, Paul Rubens, rest in peace, um, hops on top of the bar and dances to the song Tequila. Mm -hmm. And my family was concerned with how hard I was laughing. For some reason, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it was like, oh, Allie thinks that's funny. And then it got to be like, is she okay? Yeah. Like, I lost my mind. I believe I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen you lose your mind over things that make no sense to me, but I that's, love it. Do you remember the time when I threw socks at you? Yeah, you just couldn't get enough. 
We're folding laundry. You <laughs> threw a sock at me, hit me in the face. You're losing your mind. It was so funny because it didn't hurt you. And then you were like, do you. it to me, do it to me. I threw a sock. I was like, I don't know if I want it. You hit you in the face, laughing so hard. This was like two months ago. I know. It's like if you're folding socks and they're in a ball and you throw them at someone, it's like if you were to throw an orange at someone or a softball, that would be really damaging. But if it's just socks and it bops them in the face and they're okay with it, you're not surprising them. It was so, and you, I remember you saying, you're like the toddler that like is can't understand yeah. like ripping paper. Yeah, or like how, I'm like just jingling my keys yeah. and losing your mind. It was, it was so, so cute. Because it, it so should have been dangerous, but it wasn't. I totally, I totally get Ugh. it simple things all right um let's try i hope people are enjoying this episode i don't know I hope I... So too. hey this is a nice holiday chat yeah it's just taking it down a notch we turned off the lights yeah we're just hanging <laughs> i think this is an interesting one too i'm sure we'll get off your childhood soon but i just whatever i'm finding this interesting kevin parachan asks What's one birthday present you wanted as a kid, but your parents refused to get you? Emancipation. <laughs> you <laughs> no, never asked for that. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> a lawyer, a family lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I know. This is so sad. Is it? Yeah. I want to know. Okay. So I got my hand stuck in an escalator when I was like four, right? Yeah. I was trying to figure out what happens to that the rubber black band on the top of an escalator, where it goes. And I found Curiosity. out- it, it takes you to hell and back because my hand got stuck in there. This is before they had emergency stop buttons. And so there were a handful of us kids on planet earth who became accidentally um, ingested by an escalator. That was one of them. So uh, we sued. I know you've heard this story um, because the department store didn't know how to turn it off. So we sued. I had to go to a burn center Every day for months, I had third degree friction burns on my Ugh. hands. I could see my tendons when I pulled it out of the mess. And um, yeah, I had to undergo like a lot of like burn therapy for it. I almost had to be held back a grade and I had to learn how to write again with my hand. And um, so we sued and they settled and we got uh, $1,200. Incredible. <laughs> which covered part of the emergency room bill. Yeah, wow. My family's not that litigious. We were just like, that's fine. That's okay. That'll work. And um, I mean, it's better to be that way. If everyone was that way, the world would probably be a better place. Yeah. But you could have got paid. I guess we just wanted to recoup our costs on the on the vet bill for me. But I, they told me that the scar, I'd probably grow out of the scars by the time I was eight. So I was like, okay, tight. Got it. Four now. I can handle that. Three and a half years. And on my eighth birthday, I woke up to look at my hand and I was like, God damn it. I still had, like, my hand is still scarred. Yeah, of course. It's and I'm a, almost 22 now. And yeah. So eight years old, that was my most disappointing birthday. That's present. unfair, though. They couldn't give you not scars. They could have not given me lies <laughs> earlier. Well, I don't, there was nothing that I guess I really like wanted. Like for a while, my birthday presents that I would mandate had to be under $5 because I didn't want anyone spending money on me. And all I wanted was a pair of Halloween socks and or a photo from a photo booth of my loved ones. You still don't really ever vocally at least crave stuff. Yeah. I'm not a big stuff person because we moved a lot as kids. So like the more things you have, the more you have to put in boxes and unpack later. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Ghoul Next Door asks, any favorite memories from your time as a goth teen? I was a goth teen um, and into my 20s. And I am still goth at heart. I feel like I'm most comfortable when I'm wearing all black, unless it's a mustard sweater. But my favorite memories, uh, I had a boyfriend named Braun who had a a faux hawk, kind of a mohawk. It was a mo- He had a mohawk. And we'd drive around in his Caprice Classic, which was a very giant car. It had bad shocks. And there'd be a lot of us crammed into it. I liked the smell of other people smoking cloves. I didn't like smoking them. It's too harsh, but I liked them from a distance, even though I, no one should do that because I think they give you like instant bleeding lungs. But um, I think driving around in the Caprice Classic, mm. listening to like Fugazi and stuff. Someone actually asked right after that, uh, Ingvi, which band was your favorite when you were goth? Uh, I mean, I, The Cure is just a very good st- staple. Sure. You know, but I mean, I remember I, I would listen to like Throbbing Gristle to annoy my, my first college roommate. Um, I don't know, Bauhaus, probably Bauhaus. Okay. Skinny Puppy, Sisters of Mercy. I mean. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Got some Grammy questions here. Okay. Colleen Selwood asks, does Grammy see Jarrett as the spare human or as a second parent? I think she loves you more. You do? I think so. Because there are times when you get up before me and you take her out. No. And I think she's like, I think I'm kind of like the, not a stepmom, but. No. Yeah. She looks to us for different things. That's true. She loves us both. She's snugglier with you. Should we ask science questions? Is anyone tuning into it's this thing? It's an AMA. Like, I know. I just it's, it's an ask you anything. Okay, I know. Does Once anyone, in a while, okay. it's fun. Uh, you know. Yeah. Good. Try to imagine of something you like listening to, and maybe you'd like to hear. That's nice. The host sometimes because you don't really, you know. That's true. Okay. You're always asking other people questions. Can you imagine if we weren't recording. Okay, we're recording. That's nice. Okay. All right. If not, yeah. this is our warm up. <clears throat> Oh, actually, this is a cat. Uh, Baclars brought up um, updates on the stray dog situation. Oh, I'm so I glad someone you know, asked. That whole thing. I think you should answer. We should talk about this. I don't know if I talked about it this on the podcast, but I posted about this on Instagram about how I was. Uh, I've been trying to take yoga classes. I don't know if anyone's heard of them, but it's a lot of stretching and breathing. And I've been trying to take it for stress relief. And I was on my way to a weekly yoga class and uh, a stray dog came barreling down the sidewalk. Um, Some kind of maybe like a German shepherd mix and uh, in the middle of a crowded street running into an intersection. And I was like, somebody get that dog. And so I got the dog. It was friendly. Anyway, I was trying to find its owner, not chipped, not fixed. Anyway, we had it at the house for a night or two. It was uh, such a sweet beast, just like having a werewolf uh, in the garage and looked everywhere. I went to a bunch of different rescues. Everyone's like, we're full up here. We cannot take this dog. One woman member at the LA Animal Services was like, told us, that was a heavy day. Yeah. She was like, if you can't handle the weight of owning the dog, don't pick it up off the street. People it's come tough. in here with kittens they find in a bush, and I say, go put them back in the bush. I was like- They're overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed. I was like, if I can't handle it, you work at the animal services. Sounds like you guys can't handle it. They can't handle it. That's the point, I think. 
Anyway. Really, people got to take care of their dogs and not let them breed and be turning dogs out on the street like this. It's terrible. Get them fixed. Spay and neuter. Bob Barker. Bob Barker was right about that. Um, So. And adopt. Don't shop, for God's sakes. Don't shop. Um, Anyway, TLDR. We found its owner. We had to turn it over to the pound because uh, there's like a stray hold. You can't just give it to a rescue unless it's been in the pound for a couple of days. Anyway, luckily, they f- the owners came forward. Yeah. And I don't know. Hopefully, they were they got it fixed. Yeah, it was tough. I was crying about yeah. that dog. Yeah, you called him I Charlie. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I know. That's the first step to fall in love. Because he looked like the dog from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, you're screwed. He, he Jarrett <sighs> cried. Jarrett sat on a bench when we had to turn him over and cried. We didn't turn Jarrett over. We turned the dog over. But, <laughs> but maybe. And I was like, up. I get it. But unfortunately, through paperwork, a rescue can't it's even fine. take him. It was. It all worked out for the best, or whatever it could have been. We but, were gonna. We found some people that would be happy to have um, adopted him if an owner didn't come forward. But legally, we had to let an owner yeah. come forward, and luckily, they did. A beautiful creature. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is kind of on the uh, related. I think the question before, like, are people even interested in this? Somebody, Felicia Stelsel, asked, "Do fans frequently recognize you in public, and how do you feel about having fans coming to say hi?" I don't think it happens frequently. It happens. In, it happens in enough to where it's really. It just happened sweet. on the airplane. That's true. Actually, that was funny because that was cute. We're in a mat. They didn't. She didn't recognize you. That's until true. Until, like at the end of the flight, we we're talking about something. Yeah, we and, were masked up because yeah. hello, COVID season, holiday travel. Yeah, sure. And I had a little bit of a, a sniffles. I was COVID negative. COVID negative, but, but still. I still don't like freak people out. Yeah. But I don't know what precipitated it, but somehow they're like, what do you do? Or something. I make a podcast about the, and they go, you're Allison Ward? It was really sweet. <laughs> yeah, It was so sweet. We took pictures with her family. So yeah, it does happen. It happens every couple of weeks, maybe, you know? Yeah. So how do you feel about it? What do you think about I it? I think it's really sweet. It mean, I feel like it's like, if you happen to look over and you'd see someone wearing the same shirt as you, you'd be like, oh, we're wearing the same shirt. Like immediately you're like. Hey, look at us. Yeah. We have something in common. They must like whoever I interview. I like whoever I interview. So I think it's very sweet. Sometimes I get a little bashful about it because um, either I feel like I'm a, a mess or um, I compliments sometimes are difficult to take. Um, but I always like to take a picture with someone if they've said hello. Or I always like to offer because sometimes if you run into someone that you're like, oh, my God. My friend, my my girlfriend loves you, or whatever. You're like, let's take a picture for her. Let's make a video for her, really quick, you know. Because then, if I ran into, let's say, Bob Barker, let's say I were a Bob Barker fan, I ran into him, and he was like, "You want?" To, I'm like, "My mom loves you." If he were like, "You want to take a picture for your mom?" I'd be like, "That's right, tight," you know. Yeah, that happened at the vet's office a couple weeks ago. It, yeah, I think it's. I guess it kind of happens. It's sweet. It's so sweet. I think it's nice when I, you know, witness it and stuff. Uh, and the once in a blue moon, it's happened to me. Because it's like um, you work in your house or in an office, like so far away with the internet. It's not like a live show all the time. And it's really nice to see it in the real world. It's so easy to get caught up in. You just record these things. You you work in your office. You put it online all kind of alone. But isn't it nice when it comes into the real world and it goes, hi, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's easy to for, it's easy to forget that people actually listen. Yeah, I, think real I, I think I just make it and I go, huh, that's nice. And then I forget that other people listen to it. By the yeah. way, if anyone's ever seen the YouTube series, 
my music. You may recognize Don't Jarrett Sleeper that. as that's a weird one. That's <laughs> know, so long but that's ago. What I, but I feel like that people had like a history of that Amanda yeah. Chantal Bacon videos. So many things, so many little viral things. All right, I'm gonna move on to to a question, Ashley Dent. So this one had to do this was inspired by actually a bit from 100 humans when you were (laughs) getting people to talk about how they wipe their bums (gasps) wipe their bums to use the person said my question is how do you dry off after a shower do you bring the towel in the shower or step out soaking wet do you dab yourself or scrub yourself do you follow the same pattern each time or is it always chaos from the odd and intrigued i thank you i think this is a great question this is stemming from a Netflix show I did called 100 Humans, where as like researchers in lab coats, air, air quotes are on that part, uh, right. we did ask people their toilet behaviors and they volunteered a lot of information. I did not expect them to. In terms of a shower, Jared, I think you know this. What I do is I get a big, like a salad bowl and I fill it with volcanic ash and then mm-hmm. I just roll around in it. Right. It's this chinchilla method is what they call it. Yep. And- uh, it just keeps you from drying out. It, I have ice. Do yeah, I smell? It also sloughs off all the dead skin. Yeah, it's great. It's a. It's essentially powdered pumice stones. Yeah, and I shake it out of my hair. It's like a dry shampoo, but just volcanic ash. So yeah, look it up. It's the chinchilla method. Mm-hmm. You don't want to reveal the secrets. Is it too intimate to talk about how you dry yourself? I don't think. I don't think it's of interest. I think you're crazy that you don't think it's of interest. It, because these are the secret private things everybody does. You don't think about that? And okay, the thing that you do thing. alone? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I, I stay in the shower to drip. I try because my grandpa yelled at me one time. I was like, <laughs> start drying off in the shower. You're getting water all over when I went to stay with my grandparents. And I was like, that's a good point. That's correct. Also, the thing that makes you cold after you step out of the shower is all that water evaporating. Right. And so if you stay within the humid confines, I feel like maybe less water evaporates a little bit less quickly and you don't get cold as, as quickly. This is, this is why this is interesting to me. Because everything, there's a technique. There's a technique. There's a technique to everything. If you were to ask me, if you were to say, here's $10, will you put a shirt on without drying your back? I'd say, you take that $10, you get the fuck out of here. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because putting on clothes while your skin is still wet Real is bad. disgusting. I, it's fine for other people. I can't do it. No way. There's I a hierarchy as well. I can do it more with my pants than I can with a shirt for sure. And I got to put socks on like an hour after my shower <laughs> to make sure that there's nothing going on between those tootsies. Absolutely. No All moisture. Right. Hey, actually, I've never asked you this either. RJ Doidge asked, what first made you decide on red hair? It's stunning, but curious on the mm. origin story. Oh, shucks. Yeah. Um, do you not know this? Uh, I don't think I do. Maybe like 15, 15, 20 years ago or something. I had black hair, blue black hair for the longest time. I dyed my hair black. It's naturally like dark brown. And uh, I went to get it stripped of color and they, they stripped it and it turned orange and they were like, don't worry, we'll get it back to brown. And I was like, I kind of, I kind of like this. And they were like, we could just stay at this stage. And I was like, let's just keep the orange for a while. Mm. And it, I had big blotches in the back, but I, I didn't care. I did not sue them for $1,200. Mm. Perhaps I should have, but I was like, it's fine. And then when I would go in subsequently to go to salons, I would show them a picture of like a baby orangutan because orangutan. Yeah, because they have the best color hair. But I just do it pretty much in a box by myself. I've gotten it dyed professionally. That was, it, like that was just times. an accident. You were like, oh, red seems like the right one. I kind of was like, this is 
this is a good move for me now. Because wow. black hair was feeling a little too harsh. I'd done it for too long. But brown hair felt like too uh, tied to my youth. And so red hair is also helpful because then when you're looking to point someone out, you go, it's the, re- it's the redhead over there. Totally. But when people give me like the look like, hey, redhead, I feel like an imposter because I am an imposter. Well, you know, I stand on that. What I, think, I think self-selecting redheads are perhaps the redheadiest of all. That's very nice of you. Well, we didn't have to endure like any childhood trauma. And so it, I feel like a little bit of a... Because like no well, one ever... might get upset about that. But I feel like they'll understand what I mean. I guess being a, a elective ginger is one of those like... Um, it's like guys that wear flashy suits kind of. Am I yeah, peacocking? Maybe. I don't think so. I think you just found something that feels true to you. It feels true to me. Do you want to give um, Syra Mann's est- any uh, dyed hair maintenance tips? Do you have any of those? No, but I was going to say I, I neglected to say what color I use, which is I think a Clairol 6RR with a 20 developer for anyone that needs the, the tech specs on that. All right. Yep. A um, couple people. <laughs> Jen Squirrel Alvarez. Um, Anna Thompson, both we're asking about your yellow sweater. Oh, that thing. I love it. Do you only have one? Do you have multiples? No, the yellow sweater, if for anyone that doesn't know this, I I accidentally am pictured in this yellow sweater all the time. I think because I wear it all the time. And it's just the right amount of stretchy. It's thick, but it's not suffocating. It's a nice mustard color. It's got a stain. I gotta get rid of somehow. But I wear it often and I almost packed it on this trip to see your family. Um, I just wear it too often. And there's simply one, and I have looked on Poshmark, which is a resale site where you can buy used clothes. And I have found duplicates in case something happens, if I'm trapped in a fire, if someone throws accidentally a beaker of hydrochloric acid on me, I'm ready. Wonderful. I'm ready. <laughs> what about some, yeah, so, what about some podcasts quick, Someone said, yeah. honestly, this is, okay. is it weird? Yes, yes, Jen, they said, but I don't think so, Jen. That you remind me of a very delicate, beautiful mantis. That's sweet. I think that's very interesting because I, I, I get that. You know what? A, you know what I feel like a mantis has is a nice jawline. You do have a great so jawline. So I'll take so I'll take that as a compliment. I also have in bonkers uh, thorny forearms. I have so yeah, many do. claws on my forearms. That's why I wear so many long sleeves. And you constantly try to murder me. Yeah, I try to eat your face, alley cat. What hobby or hobbies are you finding yourself engaged in when you're not working on the podcast? Cross-stitch, bitch. <laughs> I'm doing cross-stitch these days, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Well, I guess that's on the, on the heels of that is Naomi asked, any current hyperfixations? Example, podcast show subjects. It kind of is one for you a little bit. Cross-stitch, bitch. <laughs> Same, so, cross-stitch. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just be doing something else thinking, can't wait to make some X's on some fabric. <laughs> Totally. I'm not good at it. I've only done, I've only completed one very small one, but that doesn't mean I'm not working for lots of hours on my second one. Anyway. All right. Yeah. A lot of people okay. want to know the answer to this question. Chanel um, Wilson, okay. my eight-year-old daughter, has been a fan since brainchild and now an avid Smologies listener, Aww. would like to know what your favorite cryptid is. <gasps> my favorite cryptid? Oh, I mean... um, I'm going to have to say the frogman, which um, 
I mentioned this in an episode, gosh, I can't remember what episode, but it was somewhat recent. Um, there's this thing called the frog man. People around town started seeing this frog man walking around, terrifying, large. It turned out to be a tailless iguana <laughs> that had gotten out and was wild in. And I think maybe police shot it, which uh, is not the way you want any story to turn out. But uh, yeah, I think that that might be, I think it was called Frogman. If I'm incorrect, do your own aside about it. And I'm hmm. really sorry. Okay. That wasn't the gr- that wasn't the greatest answer. No, that's fine. That's fine. Frog, but that's like that. I've never heard of Frogman. I just love the idea that there's this iguana with no tail. Yeah. Just trying to get out there looking for a snack, looking for one worm to hold him over. But none of the other ones capture your. Imagine it, no Bigfoot, no Wendigo. I just like that one because it's there was an explanation. Yeah. And I I think I identify with and I'm emotionally bonded to that iguana. Mm. Because that iguana caused such a stir without knowing. Number one, that iguana was on its own journey. That iguana had some kind of Joseph Campbell, stranger in a strange land. He I don't know where he was going. I don't know what he I don't know if he was eating watermelon rinds out of compost bins. I don't know what he was up to. I think it was he. And uh, I like that he caused a stir. I don't like his tragic demise. Mm. But um, I love a cryptid with an explanation, I guess. And I love a frogman. How can you not? But I also would say a close second. um, I love when they, um, I love a siren maybe. Like a sea siren yeah. that calls to you from the water. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great one. Because we, we both know that underneath the sea, there's all kinds of shit we don't know about. Oh, yeah. So the idea that one of them is lost a Lost treasure for one, lots of lost treasure. So much treasure. <laughs> Microbes, according to Discovery, the Megalodon, which is an extinct shark, they did a whole mm-hmm. documentary that hoodwinked people into thinking that the Megalodon shark was still alive. And they interviewed all these, oh, yeah. they interviewed all these shark scientists who spoke about it on camera thinking it was going to be like a real documentary. Yeah. <sighs> we got no idea what's down there. I know, but not a megalodon. I'm pretty sure that's okay. well extinct. Spencer James Parked, Spencer James Parks, mm-hmm. excuse me. Holidays, which are great and which need to go. Oh my gosh. Well, I have a show that we've been wanting to launch <laughs> about holidays. Holidays observed. Yeah. <laughs> we might. It's been such a busy year. Which yeah, maybe um, one year. Maybe which one day. holidays need to go? Yeah. Which do you think are great? Which need to go? Let's just do, let's just even get simple. Just okay, pick. Okay. Two great ones, and one maybe two that that could go. Oh man. Actually, need to go is tough, but I'm not going to answer for you. I'm going to say I like Valentine's Day. Not from a romantic sense, but I think Valentine's Day is a really good time to send everyone you love in your life a card saying, hey, I really appreciate you. You're wonderful. Send it to your aunt. If they mean a lot to you, send one to your friends. Because I think that a lot of times you get like holiday cards in the mail and it's, God bless you all, but it's just a picture of you and your kids. Yeah. No note. And you're like, thanks for this picture of you and your kids. I like what they look like. I'm glad to have it. But I think... In the hu- in the hustle and bustle culture of the holidays, people feel very pressured to like send something out. Wait a minute, wait till it's the dreary Februarys 
People mm-hmm. say, am I even going to get a Valentine this year? Shkabamsk, they open their mailbox, real two-dimensional, three-dimensional yeah. card. Yeah. This says, hey, remember that time that you bailed me out of prison? You're a real one. I like that. You know? What would you say? Gotta go. Gotta go? I mean, Columbus Day. Oh, good answer. You know good answer. I mean? Good answer. Obviously, yes. Good answer. Yeah, I'm an and I'm Italian, y'all. And we used my, oh, both my answer. sister and my mom have been in a Columbus Day parade. I just think I'm happy to see it turn over to Indigenous Peoples Day. And yeah. I, and I I'm also like one day really. Oh, you know what? International Women's Day can absolutely take a hike. Oh yeah. One day, really. <laughs> One day, half of the earth. Yeah. Women responsible for shoving. I think it's nice that they just recognize, you know. No, it is. It is nice. All those Instagram posts that are like, hey. Hey, you got, good job. Good job, kid. It does feel really good. Does it feel good to you? They're like, sorry for the sexism, but hey, you're all right. Hey, women, we see you. And if you don't do some labor yeah. tagging every single woman in your life that you really like, you're not a good woman. Ugh. And also, hey, I like the ones from men that are like, hey, I've got daughters. So obviously, <laughs> every woman out there is someone's daughter. Hey, I used to say, I used to have a lot of ideas about <laughs> girls, women, whatever you want to call them. But now I've got this child here, this fuzzy, stinky little female. <laughs> Yeah. 10 years old. I get it. It's our dog. I get it now. Yeah, I get it. There are people too. Turns out, once you've got one, you realize they're human beings. That's so crazy. And I think International Women's Day has a lot to do with that. I just really quick, I would actually, would not, those are good. You pegged really good picks. Thanks. Most holidays I would not get rid of. Yeah. But I have have controversials I would get rid of. New Year's. Don't need it. (gasps) Don't care. Don't care. Always what? a letdown. And St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day is, is I really- I know that's a controversy because it's such a fun notion. No, but, but St. Patrick's Day is really just a day, a day for imbibing. Yeah, we can get hammered anytime. You can, you're, you can pretend to be Irish. Look at me with my red hair. <laughs> Doing it every day. I'm sorry, Ireland. But yeah. Um, it's not. A, I, I like the Irish. The New Year's thing is surprising. I like Irish. I, I just like- don't think you need to be St. Patrick's Day. It's you know why it's, I just associate it with like really cheap, like fold up, you know, graphics that they put in bars that like yeah. Guinness sends out. It just feels like it's lost whatever it might have been cool. When I think of um, St. Patrick's Day, my immediate vision is of a very very thin plastic green hat. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. That's going to be in the gutter two hours later. Yeah, I'm not even gonna get just getting hung over. Ugh, just anyway. All right, this is a first time question asker, Penny Loader. Okay, what's your favorite flower and why? And also, is Victorian flower language on the list? Please, thanks, peace, and love. I don't know what that means. I guess I guess it is now because I didn't know that Victorian flower language existed before this moment in time. <sighs> Me neither. Oh, to have an aside here. I hope that this makes people appreciate when I do put it asides, because then here I'd be like, so I, I, side note, okay, so I looked into this. 
but I didn't, you guys. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah, it's fine. You guys um, chill vibes at the holidays. Favorite flower? You know what else? We're in that. We're in the middle zone between. I know the big holidays and New Year's. We're just like, what is this? We're in the liminal space between, yeah. uh, like other people's this champagne. A nowhere headings. zone. We're all just. Yep. All right. Continue. Favorite flower? Um, I think a tuberose or a tiger lily because they smell great. Beautiful. That was Penny Loader. I don't know if I said their name, so I just need to make sure I say it. Um, I feel like people must have like, how do you make a podcast questions? Useful information. Not to say that these aren't fun and wonderful. I feel like I need to, as a person who dispenses information, I feel like I need to provide more useful information. This is useful information. The point of it is to learn things okay. about you. I know. Okay. A functional, functional. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe I'm I'm saying I have this tone of like, what are you talking about? Maybe it's because I am literally in love with you. Well, so you I'm like you are interesting. Me. Well, I know, but that's the thing is, I think a lot of people tune in to ologies just for turtle facts. Yeah, but I think they do it for turtle facts through the lens of Ali Ward. Well, thank you. You know, they can go to Google otherwise. You know. <laughs> Nobody go to Google. <laughs> no, um, uh, Claire Netto asks, what have your favorite or most memorable interactions with insects been over the years? Oh, uh, definitely my favorite insect. Now we're talking about good facts. Okay, so my favorite insect is the um, Cottonus mutabilis, I think is the species and genus. It's a fig eater beetle. It's native to Los Angeles. It looks um, like a green Japanese beetle, but it's not. It's got these two golden stripes and a beautiful emerald uh, metallic tone to it. It's big. It's like the size of bigger than your thumb and it buzzes around very clumsily, bzz, makes these really loud noises. People are terrified of it because they think it's a gigantic bee. It's just a big bumbling beetle that eats figs and fruit and it's it will find like an old orange and be like, my day's been made. And the grubs are like the size of your pinky and they crawl on their back backwards like they'll do in the worm, but backwards and they have little fuzzy bellies like a puppy. And uh, I love them. And once we were in the garden of the Natural History Museum, we were getting our engagement photos done. Oh my God. Fig eater beetles mean a lot to me. Figs come out in July. It's a very important month to me, July. I have a lot of nostalgia. We met in July. We got married in July. July, just in general, is very lovely. And uh, so we were getting our engagement photos done, and this big figure beetle bzz, just buzzed and landed right on my finger. And when I see a figure beetle, it is, it's very exciting. My friend Suzanne mm. and Nina, they gave me two figure beetles that had died whilst doing the nasty and they are mm. frozen in my freezer. One day, perhaps we'll taxidermy them. At that moment you're talking about in the garden. Yeah, I. It's not only do I remember it very clearly. There's a beautiful photograph of there it. There is. Thanks there is to Robin von Swing. There is Robin von Swing was our photographer. It's one of the best up. photos I've ever seen of you. Oh, I was so it's happy. It's amazing because your, your face is the most childlike <gasps> wonder. It's so essentially you. Good. That's a good one. I, and uh, my my company is named after a structure in the gardens of the NHM, and I have to do an offshoot company for just podcasting because I do other stuff, and um, I think I'm going to call it Fig Eater Media mm. because I, I, I eat that. figs. Those beetles eat figs, but in fact, one of my next embroidery projects 
It's a pig eater beetle. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's exciting. Also, Mirabelle. Oh, well, Mirabelle is my other favorite. It's memorable. Um, not to praying mantis that Jarrett gave me as a gift. And yeah. Mirabelle lived, a, I think, like six months. She could have lived longer, but I fed her too many maggots. She loved eating fly eggs. And I was, and then I gave her a fly egg, and then I gave her a worm. And I think she overate and died. But Mirabelle, I had an open casket funeral for her. If you'd like to see some pictures, you can look on Instagram at hashtag RIP Mantis. And we had an open casket. It was a very goth funeral. We listened to Bauhaus. Everyone came in black. Beautiful. I was not 12. I was into my 30s. And that was a beautiful gift, Jarrett. You're so welcome. What memories? What memories? Good memes. We're going to take a quick break. But first, we're going to donate to a charity of the ologist choosing, and I guess that's me. So I am having it go to Dogs Without Borders, which is the rescue organization that we got our dog Grammy from. If you're like, what does Grammy look like? You can check out on Instagram, Insta underscore Grammy, G-R-E-M-M-I-E. She's a tiny little werewolf floof. We love her so much, but Dogs Without Borders is where we adopted her from. And right now, since there are so many animals in shelters, Animal rescue organizations need all the help they can get. A lot of people got animals during the quarantine in 2020, and now they have decided that they don't want to be animal owners. So I get it. Things happen in people's lives. Anyway, Dogs Without Borders, we will link them in the show notes. And that donation was made possible by sponsors of the show. Okay, back to editor slash husband slash wonderful dude, Jared Sleeper, asking me questions from patrons. Here we go. More answers. Sierra asks, do you have a new favorite spot at the LA Natural History Museum? Oh, well, the Willow Hut that they had, they did take it down recently and they gave me a branch from it. They knew that I loved it. And they're like, Allie, we have to take the Willow Hut down for structural reasons. Uh, and I was like, can you save me a branch? And that branch is um, on my wall in my office. Um, my new favorite spot that's there, I was just there recently. And I'm going to tell you, it's the crab stacks, maybe. I saw some absolutely bonkers crabs down in the in the cavernous storage areas in the basement. And that episode of Crab Facts is coming out soon. But they... Um, uh, it's Stunnen. I saw some very, very large arthropods down there. So I'd say that, we'll say that that's my new favorite spot. But anywhere in the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County is lovely. Go in the rotunda, stand under the rotunda. I think that they, they have so many, so many bonkers artifacts. I think Walt Disney's desk is there. Mm. Um, uh, so many beautiful things. Got a, que- a lot of questions about books from people. Um, Who reads? Laura gross. Kinney. Uh, well, actually, that, let's do that one. A lot of people are asking about. Okay, uh, okay. I'll just name some names: Laura Kinney, Lindsay Mayer, J.D. Murray, Jordan Irons, Kappa Clars, Jennifer Dunn. They all had asked a lot of questions about favorite books. I'm gonna boil them down. Laura Kinney asked, "What is a book that you've read over and over, or a book with a special place in your heart? Do you have a book you've read over and over?" My Side of the Mountain is one of my faves. Right. It's something I read when I was a kid. And my friend, Dr. Tegan Wall, who I've mentioned many times in the podcast, she was also in the WGA episode, uh, the strike episode that I put out in May. Um, she got me a signed copy. Uh, this is a book about a kid who, in the 60s, 
it's fiction, just tells his parents like, hey, I'm going to go live in the woods. I'm going to fuck off to the woods. And they're like, all right, have a good time. Like no one calls CPS. No one sends out a search party. He just goes and lives in the woods and then he does a bunch of algae experiments. And I loved this book as a kid. And I don't know what would happen these days if you let your child do that, but it is the idea of like living in a hollowed out tree where you've made your own adobe fireplace. Amazing. He raises a falcon. Anyway, but Tegan got a signed copy. The author is now deceased. So that is very difficult. And then she made a book jacket cover where she put blurbs in the, on the back from our friends about me for my birthday. And it was the night I cried when she gave it to me. But that book is one that I always look mm. back upon with fondness. But the book that I've read the most is um, is an insect guide that I got when I was 12. And I, I, the number of times I've opened that book, I can't even, in the, in the thousands and thousands. I would just sit and read about like mayflies, be like, ooh, mm. what is this do? But yeah, if that's helpful. I don't, do you I don't know, know which one it was? Do you remember it? You, maybe you should post it or something. It may have it. been an Audubon guide, which... Uh, mm. Audubon, maybe not the greatest guy in the world, but I think it was that. Hmm. And it was an insect guide. Yeah, it's a little black paperback. Very goth also. Just reading about spiders. Well, that's so funny. It was uh, one person, Capital Cars, asked, what's the gothest science book media you've consumed? And someone also asked, I was going to, Jennifer Downey and Emma's Rosie, best book you've read this year? Um, I read Little Fires Everywhere and enjoyed that. Um, Celeste Ng is a great writer. Um, really enjoyed that. And then read her follow-up. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. Everything I Never Told You. So I've been really enjoying her work a lot this year. And um, also Hank Green's book, A Truly Remarkable Thing, uh, and the follow-up book. Read both of those recently and i keep thinking about them in terms of uh whether or not there are aliens mm. and timelines both great books there's a bunch of questions about movies and tv stuff i'm gonna skip to this uh autumn liston what movie traumatized you as a child oh we watched um the shining a lot as a child what we watched everything uh-huh we want like we we, I think cable was new and you could just turn on whatever. And my parents would be, I don't know, outside a lot. Both my parents worked. And we watched so many wholly inappropriate things. No, I mean, no offense to my parents. They just weren't very helicoptery. And I remember The Shining and there's a distinct part where you see a deceased naked woman. And that one really got me. <laughs> what can I say? I was afraid to shower without like someone walking me into the bathroom for months. I was like, can you just peel back uh, the curtain and just tell me that there's not a deceased elderly woman in the bathtub? And my sisters had to be like, there's one in there. A lot. That scared me and I didn't like it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um... Boo. What's your Nolan Childerhouse? What's your go-to type of music if you're looking for an energy boost? Um, straight death metal. Just you do not listen to that. No, I don't. Oh my gosh, I would be so surprised if I didn't know you were listening. Although to that my metal. brother is in a band called yes, Exodus. Of course, of course. He's a um, a thrash metal guitarist. <laughs> I'm named Lee Altus. He's my brother. We'll be seeing him tomorrow. Um, not in concert, but just not in concert. Person. True. 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 
IRL. We'll get a video with him. Um, my my favorite mu- music to listen to. Um, sometimes I like listening to instrumental music from soundtracks because instead of thinking that I'm like a beleaguered uh, podcast researcher and host, I think I'm just a charming woman on a journey. Maybe I'm in a foreign cafe and I'm having a biscotti and I'm just, mm, this soundtrack yeah. makes me think I'm just on a on a writing journey here with my laptop and I feel instantly more adventurous. So sometimes I'll do that. Philip Sarti, I think, is a composer that I'll listen to sometimes. He did the soundtrack for a movie called Lord of the Flies that I really liked the soundtrack a million years ago. Beautiful. So sometimes I'll do that. Lo-fi beats. Of course. Uh, yes. I really like Alison Pontier, who is a singer-songwriter yes. uh, from Texas who lives in New York. A redhead, but I think she's natural redhead. She's lovely. Alison Pontier, look her up. She sang on the track I Lied by Lord Huron, and she has like an angelic voice. She's made, I wasn't laughing at Alison Pontier. I was laughing at a question <laughs> that what? I read. Um, Walk Fearlessly wrote, what song is stuck in your head right now? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we could get loud about it. Let's get loud. Let's get loud. Uh, Jared uh. and I, at least four times a day, (laughs) we'll be like, hey, what do you want to, later on, do you want to get loud? Let's get loud. Let's get loud. (laughs) No, what's like, is that a Pitbull song? No, it's Jennifer Lopez. Is it? Yes. I didn't even know. I had to Google it because I couldn't remember. I just, it comes up. So often. So often. And the singing's bad when it happens. Excuse you. It's bad. Excuse you. I go all I go out <laughs> in a way that I'm not willing to go out here because it's too intimate. But let's get loud. <laughs> let's get loud. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh Kate Gannis, what would your baseball slash etc. wrestling perhaps walkout song be? Like I'm leaving walking out or I'm no, like, coming no, out no, to like, it? Yeah, you're coming out to it. Oh. I think it would be that one where they go, I'm coming out. No, really? That's so obvious. Well, that's what I'm saying, just because okay, it would yes, at least be explain it would be explanatory. <laughs> People would know yeah. what's going on. They'd be like, Oh, she must be coming like, out. What's happening right now? Wait, oh yeah. you, wait, oh. Oh, she's emerging. Um But you were talking, you were gonna say uh that the one you were singing was I'm coming out, so we better get this party started. Yeah, I just meant that from That's an explanatory, like, this is what I happen to Not, be doing at the I'm moment. I'm coming out. Not that one. Either one of those would work. Okay, fine. Just for letting people know what I'm what I'm up to. Okay. Um, Or here I am, baby. Come and take me. Here I am, baby. I think that's a UB40 song. I don't know the answer to this UB40 question. A UB40 song? I don't know who sings it. Didn't UB40 sing Red Red Wine? I don't know. Jennifer Lopez sang all of them. I really don't know. I don't have a good answer for this, and I'm sorry. Um, maybe it would be a really, really... Um, These were crazy answers. A UB40 song. I really don't... Tremendous. Is, these are bad. I tr- Do you remember when I was like, oh, the song... Goth Alley says, <laughs> a UB40 song is what I walk out I'm to. trying to think of the worst things that just explain what I'm doing. But do you remember when I wanted to walk, walk down the aisle to that Phil Collins song? Which one? Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Yeah. The song about killing his wife. Well, then I didn't know that it was about killing his wife. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if then like the beat drops and then we like walk out and you were like, you know, that's something about someone killing the spouse. And I didn't know that. So we obviously, we went with that and it was amazing. We did. It was really good. I was like, this will probably not be a weird, like. Weird, terrible marriage. No, we did not walk down the aisle. No, we we walked out to Sade. That's true. I love Sade. 
Okay. Um, Holly Giorgio Dundon, what's the weirdest food combination you secretly or not so secretly enjoy? Canned sardines. I mean, not sardines, canned oysters, canned smoked oysters. Canned smoked oysters. It's, if you've ever been on a Patreon live stream, uh, I've, I think I've eaten canned smoke, smoked oysters. They look exactly like uh, an animal turd and they taste like cigarette smoke and they're covered in like linseed oil or something or, uh, and I, or turpentine and I, uh, and I love them and I will eat them with um, cream cheese sometimes. Sometimes I'll wrap them in a seaweed, piece of seaweed and I'll pretend like it's sushi like apocalypse sushi. Like I found some old seaweed yes. and, and then also some tinned fish. And now do you remember the days when we could take fish out of the oceans? Cause the oceans weren't. <laughs> she enjoys <laughs> umami. I That's love the umami. most umami sounding. Oh, you're so crazy. It's delish. I love it. All right. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta tell people how to podcasting since I know people are tuning in for the. How to what? I'm sure people had like, how do you make a science podcast? I don't questions. know. We're just we're just having some fun. I know we're at an hour right, here. I, are you serious? Yes. We got eleven okay. hours to go. Okay, 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 okay. We do have eleven hours to go. Then maybe we should hold on. Then we'll just continue. We'll just. I'll scroll down. I'm having too much fun. I'm having too much fun with all these basic questions. You know, okay, do you know the feeling when someone brings out a birthday cake and you're like, oh, this is so nice, and then like halfway into the song, you're like, too much looking at me. Too much looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Like I, no, I understand. I, we should, you're right. An hour. It's not in, that I, I don't like you're people right, you're right. asking me these questions. I think they're amazing, but I just feel like a lot of aw shucks y'all shouldn't have. That's very cute. You sweet. know what I mean? Like sure. Okay. I well, feel like okay. the fact that I haven't asked you questions. That's not what it's about. Well, I know, but it, anyway. Courtney Peterson asks, "What is your favorite national park and why?" Mm. With an interrobang, which I appreciate. I'm glad they asked. This. It's Glacier. Because is it really? I would say it's Glacier. Beautiful. Because I went there as a child hmm. and I saw a mountain goat in real life. Uh, we did a mountain goats episode in case anyone needs it. And also, um, yeah, so nostalgia. I like that it's, it's so close to the land of Canada also. Um, so I would say that. I don't think I've ever been to Yellowstone. That was supposed to shock you. I was thinking if we, I was like, I don't think I've been to Yellowstone. Yeah, we got to go to Yellowstone. I've watched Yellowstone. Yeah, which Can't doesn't take it. place in Yellowstone. Right. That always gets me. As someone whose family is from Montana, I'm like, come on. But yeah, I would say I have roots to Montana, so I'd say Glacier. Also, I think that, I don't know where we stand on Pendleton. I think maybe... The blankets? Yeah, I don't know if they're good know. guys or bad guys, but they do make a Glacier blanket that's one of my favorites. We had one growing up, mm. and it was moth-eaten and stuff, but we had it forever, so... Um, I'm trying to get better about um, all or nothing thinking. Yeah, okay. So much more dialectic for me sure. these days. But Good still. guys, bad guys, who knows? I don't know. Well, I, I I feel like maybe they may have stolen like patterns oh. from like indigenous tribes. I, mm. But I absolutely, this deserves an aside. And Pendleton, if I'm mischaracterizing your relationship. I think they're really nice blankets. I think that's I, undeniable. I know, but I I think... I need to look it up as well, I'm, I'm just saying. trying to give you another side to it. Right, right. <laughs> but I just, I want to make sure to give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. And again, Pendleton, if, well, if I've got that. it wrong, then I'll correct it in a future episode. Wonderful. For one free blanket. There we go. Um, 
Derek Allen asked, what would be your perfect day? Maybe this is too big. Is this too long a question? I'll make it quick. Okay. Is it a regular day? Yeah, let's say like regular, whatever, whatever you think it is. What's a perfect day to you? I'm waking up early. It's dawn. I'm in a cabin. Uh, It smells like pine outside. You're there. Grammy's there. Uh, A lot of people I love are in other cabins in the surrounding area, but there's one meeting hall in the middle. This is a lot like family reunions when I was a child. Uh, You you walk around, maybe you have some coffee with some delicious, very bad for you coffee creamer in it. And then you walk around uh, maybe solo in the morning and just get in cold air in your lungs. And then later that day, you're making food with all your loved ones that are in cabins. You're going on a canoe ride. Essentially, I'm just describing my family reunion. But um, also, um, there's a lot of fuzzy blankets. Um, there's uh, a lot of dogs available. Um, there's maybe a, a movie on a blown up screen projector at night. Um, I've got a, a burlap sack full of jewels that I sell to a trader for gold coins. I wow. use those gold coins to purchase a ship. I take the ship and I sail it uh, to one of the poles and I Sheesh. never speak to anyone else again. That's, wow. Okay. I just felt like it, I felt like it was too ordinary. I tried to spice it up. It's a perfect day. I love that. Mercedes Maitland. I love her. Me too. She's the lead editor of this podcast. She was supposed to be conducting this, but uh, we couldn't get her in uh, your sister in my sister-in-law's bed. Right. We just, what I'm saying is we didn't do this in time because we were getting ready. I was trying to get ahead on episodes. Absolutely. If you were to make your own personal crest and motto, what image and which three Latin words would you choose? Latin words. I want to just make clear that I wouldn't actually sell a burlap sack of jewels. Or buy a ship. I really don't like boats. You actually really don't like boats, which is really funny. Yeah. You talk all the time about how much you don't want to have a boat. I'd never want to own a boat. So I, Too much maintenance. I couldn't do it. I would use it maybe one day a year, but yeah. you've got to tow it. Hey. It's just not my thing. You were having fun with it. It's you were having not fun with my the question. Sue you. I'm stalling uh, to figure out the Latin. All right, um, let's, do, let's do a little bit at a time. What image do you think would be on it? Your personal crest and model? Figure, beetle. Oh, yeah, okay. And it would be ficus fago ego. I think what does mean? I think I mixed in some Greek. It means I eat figs. That would be it. I I'm put on the spot here. That's not much of a. What does that mean to you? I eat figs. Because it'd be the figator beetle. I understand. But what's that motto? What does it that would personal that I, motto mean for I your life? I partake in the juices of life. Okay. And I contain wasps. I like that. that I'll take that I from really you. just couldn't think of enough Latin because I did True. take, I I did take four years of Latin. And I, I, and I think that Fago might be um, Greek. Well, Fago is a soda that juggalos like to drink. Oh, no, it's the pit with a pH. Okay. If I, 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 if I knew more Latin... I think that the crest would have a juggalo on it, though, for sure. Dave Brewer. Mm-hmm. A friend in college said, you'll regret the things you didn't do more than the things you did. He wasn't right about a lot of things, but in my experience, he was right about that. What's something you regret not doing? I had the opportunity to go in a fighter jet, and I mm. had too much diarrhea. 
<laughs> I was too scared. Yeah. I thought we were going to pull like 12 Gs and I thought I would throw up and I thought it would be very bad. I was able to pull 5.6 Gs um, gravitational forces in a centrifuge in training for it. Very impressive. But, um, you know, with with a flight suit that expanded and, and filled up, uh, it was inflated to help keep your blood in the lower half of your body so you didn't have G-lock, which is G-induced loss of consciousness. I had the opportunity to go in a fighter jet and I was too scared. And That's a good answer. I should have. But I we do have a cut. My cousin Joe Salvamini. Oh, yeah. Fighter One of the Red jet Devils, pilot. if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. How odd is that that you, I just have a cousin that flies? I, I From what I understand, very expensive, that fuel. Not, but you know what? Hey, they're going to use it anyway. You know what, though? My carbon footprint, a little smaller because I chickened out. Yeah, that's true, I guess. So good on me. I guess. All right. Um, someone's got to know. Matthew Walcher. Okay. Wait, someone's got to know what? I was, someone is going to want to know how to make a podcast. <laughs> I keep thinking someone's going to be like, what recording equipment do you use? Zoom H4n, couple SM58s. There you go. You're off to the races. That's very true. Question answered. <laughs> yeah, but make sure that you get a th- um, your cards for this particular Zoom recorder. Yeah, not they're going to be 32 gigs or less. Yeah, 32 gigs or less. Um, rechargeable batteries are a good idea. Get a lot of them. Yeah, and I... Um, Change them every time. Yeah, and I edit my stuff on ProLogic, which I think is $199. Logic Pro. Logic Pro, thank you. Um, but you can use GarageBand um, or uh, Audacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the Adobe Suite myself. I use mostly YouTube University Audition. is going to help you a lot. All, all about it. Or you can hire Mercedes Maitland of Maitland Audio or someone from MindJam Media. That's right. Both of those companies do Yeah, listen do to uh, season three. Of Avatar? Yep. Braving Jarrett. the Elements, season three. We're doing the Avatar podcast for Nickelodeon. Jarrett is the post-production supervisor. That's right. On a new Nickelodeon season coming out. What a thrill, what a thrill. Mm-hmm. Starts starts very soon. Matthew Walcher asked, "What do you think is your most justified paranoia? How do you justify <gasps> it?" <laughs> oh, um, ev- suddenly no one listening to ologies anymore. Oh, that's a justified paranoia. Well, well, that's a justified paranoia. You that's never know. Paranoia. I'm so lucky. This is the best job in the world. I'm so lucky. People suddenly not liking it. And actually, Apple did an update recently on their podcast software, and. Oh, I'm, we're not going to get into this. And a bunch of podcasts, their downloads have dramatically dropped because of this Apple yep. update. And if you don't listen to the last five episodes or check it once in two weeks, then it stops downloading the episodes and I think sending you notifications. So anyway, it's terrifying. It's all happening. I've I've had so much bile in my throat over it in, in anxiety because it's like, Suddenly, because of nothing that you did wrong, you suddenly yeah. are like swimming against this terrible current. So if you listen on Apple, go listen on Spotify or go listen on, I think Google Podcasts is phasing out. There's Overcast, there's Pocket Cast, there's Podbay, just whatever. Who knows? Or just listen a lot. Yeah. Just check <laughs> check it. Because podcasters, your favorite podcasters are freaking out a little bit about it. Okay. That's all. That's all I'll say. 
And also, if you feel like you're hearing more ads in podcasts, it's because a lot of people don't have a lot of the downloads that they had a few months ago. So then they have to double up their ad breaks because their downloads suddenly went down and they promised a certain number of ad impressions. So Mm, that's what's going on. Now you know the tea from the podcast world. Aren't you glad? I could sit here and talk about podcast business forever. I had to learn so much from knowing nothing. So there you go. Kyla C., What is a dream scientific experiment or historical investigation you want to pursue or have someone else pursue? I want to figure out what dark matter is. Yes. good. I need to know what dark matter is. Is it ghosts? Listen to the dark matter episode or the recent um, quasi-thanatology about what a dark matter expert says about is dark matter ghosts. I like the idea that dark matter is all ghosts. I realize that it's not. I like the idea that it's invisible glitter filled with ghosts. And it allows you to send like some sort of uh, ESP type of text messages to people. Uh, yes. I'm going to start just rapiding these with you. Okay. Because I feel like we got to more And then sign. we got to wrap I guess. Kai Kishimoto, if you could go on a wildlife safari to any period of Earth's history, what would you like to see? The future. Really? Yeah. I want to see where we're at in 2,000 years. I want to see if- 2,000 years. I want to see if there's any buildings left. Just today, I was thinking about, at what point will the earth recover everything and buildings will only be pieces of metal that are buried in dirt and some shreds of plastic? Totally. You know? Bonnie Detwiller, if you could permanently bring back to life any extinct animal, which lucky animal or species would you pick? Mm, Grammy after she dies. Good answer. Um, I think Tasmanian tiger, real bummer, but there's, but there, it's a charismatic kind of megafauna. Oh, you know what? Giant ground sloth. Oh, oh cool one. They had him in California. I know. You can go see the big statues of the little brave puppet. <sighs> Giant ground sloth. All those things. Hondo P. Kasaya sword. If you were a mythical creature, what would you be? I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When you said, mm-hmm. I'd be a siren. Just kidding. I don't like boats. I don't like boats. a mythical creature. Yeah, yeah. I would love to be something that had herbivore legs, but an omnivore top. Like I would love to have antelope legs, like a centaur. Oh yeah, that's a good. One. You know what I mean? I want to run and gallop, but I, I also wanted to have thumbs. Well, centaur is it then? Yeah. You'd be a great centaur. Do you know how satisfying your poops would be? But could you eat enough fiber to get those kind of horse poops? Wow. Would you have to eat as much like Timothy Hay to sustain your ungulate? I think they're ungulate. These are very good questions. You know what I mean? Like how many stomachs does a centaur have? Do they have one normal, like one alimentary canal, like gastric everything, like a human? I gastric think emptying? mythical creatures are... This is how I think they work. I think that they have magical qualities about them that allow them to do things that defy standard physics. Like a dragon or a hippogriff would just fall out of the sky. Like they're not made to actually do that. But because they're magical mythical creatures, they go and just zoom around no problem. I bet if you poked a centaur in the belly, a dark matter would just come streaming out. Glittery ghosts. Yep. I just wonder how big their intestines are. Marina, if you could magically be turned into a corvid, what species would you choose to be? Oh, uh, ravens. I'm very, very good friends with some ravens. They don't know that, but I do. I, I 
go and put out a pan of things I think they'd like to eat. Um, and then I do this. into the sky and then a couple minutes later they start circling and sometimes I give them peanuts sometimes I give them some leftover biscuits um sometimes I give them scraps of chicken I found out they don't like bananas they're like what in the, what is this I thought maybe they think they were slugs or something they don't like them um so we're pals we're friends Mm-hmm. So yes, them, because I would want to know, I'd want to be one of them and I'd yes. want to go back to the nest and I want to be like, what do you guys really like to eat? And that that way I could figure it out and then I'd get turned back into myself and I'd buy that stuff at Costco, whatever they said. Mm. Julia Shock, would you rather be a bear-sized chipmunk or chipmunk-sized bear? Chipmunk-sized bear all the way. Really? 100%. Do you know how much food you would have to get to sustain your That's metabolism? Right. As a as a bear-sized chipmunk, you'd all day long you'd be working. You'd be mm-hmm. such a work, so burnt out. You'd be like, I hid all these nuts, and in order to f- hide the nuts, I have to go like three miles oh, in between wow. nuts. And then you'd, you're right, you know. But You're're if so you were right. a chipmunk-sized bear, number one, you'd need one worm. It'll last you a week. A worm? Forget that. You could eat anything. You're not you'd omnivore. You're a bear, and you'd have so much fun. Yeah. And you one can, donut would be like, bum, 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 bum. you'd be good to go wow. for a long time. And then also your cave could be like. A, a shoe. It could be like a a croc that you found discarded in a park. And you'd be so cute. Everyone would love you. So cute. And when you bit people, they'd be like, it "Gave me a little nibble." I was thinking that that if you were a chi- a bear sized chipmunk, they would they would eat you. You know, they'd oh, come to yeah. take you away. You'd get put in a bunker, or they'd shoot you with something for sure. And it'd just be terrible. Feel like, wow, I've never seen a chipmunk that big. We better put it in a box. They'd study you for days. Can you Awful. imagine though, if every single nut that you ate was like eating a pine nut for you, tiny? Yes. Frustrating. Simone Gomez, what makes a person smart in your opinion? Curiosity and uh, being willing to learn things because no baby comes into the world being like, let me tell you about quantum physics and engineering and everything about this plant. Everyone had to learn. So as long as you're interested enough to learn, and retain the information, you could do so many things, and mm. you can know so many things. Sarah Nyland. Hi, Allie. Hi. I'm gonna, my question is, you? well, they said, first of all, you're so cool, and I can't say Stop. enough how much I respect the apologies. I agree. Stop. We all agree. My question is, you? do you have an opinion, mm. very specific, <laughs> on what consciousness is or how it evolved? I'm a layperson, neuroscience hopeful, interested in it, and I think that every animate being in the universe can have a sense of what it is, since after all, our identities are made out of it. And I thought, if I could one day get your opinion on this, I'd positively swoon. I'm only laughing because one and a half minutes ago, I was like, do you think they have horse-sized poops? And now I'm supposed to explain consciousness. <laughs> That's why we come to this show. Um, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. My opinion. I think that consciousness is a type of energy or matter that we don't understand yet. And I think that we are going to be horrified to realize how many creatures have much more complicated types of consciousness. Like we talked about this in the nematology, the benthopelagic nematology about deep sea worms episode about just how complicated a C. elegans nematode um, worm is. And I think that we'll become more and more horrified as we see how many um, other creatures that we've exploited have 
types of consciousness similar to us, even if they don't have like maybe a cognitive ability on par with humans, but as we center ourselves so much. But I think that we will figure out that it's some sort of um, some sort of energy or some sort of matter that goes somewhere to explain why we're like alive one minute and dead the next. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it evaporates. I don't know if it becomes photons. I don't know if grandpa becomes a butterfly that you think of every time you see it. I, I don't know. But I do think that if you, like we just figured out soap, like uh, indoor plumbing didn't exist in most U.S. households until like the 1930s, or it was it was still common to not have indoor plumbing, like into the last century. Mm. Antibiotics knew, vehicles knew, all of these things are new, computers knew, like so much science that we still are relying on was done without computers or the internet. So the idea that we have it all figured out, especially consciousness and neurobiology and neuroscience, baby brains. We don't even completely know, like we talked about in Quasi Thanatology, what neurotransmitters are working where and when. So there's a lot of medications that are really helping people with um, different mental challenges, myself included, mental illnesses and depression and anxiety mm. that we don't know exactly how they work. They just sometimes do work a little bit better than placebo. So I don't know. I don't know. But I think the idea that we know everything is the saddest and most hilarious notion because we very much don't. Yeah. And dark matters ghosts. No. Grammy, we got we to gotta take Grammy's soul and we got to put it in something else oh, so that she yeah. lives forever. Well, yeah. Even though she doesn't like us very much, she needs to be around forever. I think I, she I likes mean, I think us. she already is around forever personally. That's just because it's a failing of our limited capacity to perceive that we think time only goes in one direction. Okay. Oh. I think every moment is kind of infinite. I got to know about multiverses. That's another thing. Alyssa Berg. Yeah. Any new ADHD tricks and tips you found that work for you since your last life advice and ADHD episodes? Jarrett Sleeper, ADHD. I'll tell you one thing. Hmm. Stimulants don't work for me. They do not work for you. No. Stimulants don't mix well with other things you've got going on. No, no. That's fine. My anxiety is like, get out of here with that. Yeah. Um... Jared Sleeper, any ADHD hacks that you want to? Um, even if I'm not doing them? Sure. Because I've had a little bit of a rough go for a bit here, but I know without a doubt, intense physical activity regularly, super duper important to regulating my ADHD at all. Um, what When you're talking intense physical activity you want to give us some examples i think you need to have something that that tells you breaking a hard sweat and huffing and puffing like okay. hard i don't think it has to be long i think tabatas are great that could be open in a pickle jar for me no i mean yes but i mean you gotta get your heart rate up high like over i don't know 150 i don't i don't want to put a number on it. it's different for everybody depending where you're at you okay. know I'm sure you go online and find some people who give you a number. It'll probably be around like over 140 BPM or something like that. But like you got to do something that is difficult that makes you have some major metabolic response. You know, something like that just makes you go like, I'm, I worked out. I worked. Holy smokes. I think resistance training is really important too. 
You know what? I'll tell you, like, there was this dog show a long time ago, and they always said, like, every dog, before you approach anything about its behavioral stuff, and I saw this, and I was like, hey, that works for me. I was like, you got to run them. You got to make sure they're eating food and water normal and stuff, and then sometimes they need to have a job. And for me, I was like, yeah, that works for me. You got to get tired to get your brain to settle it all. You got to feed it the right. So that's, that's the only thing I know works for sure is doing a lot of exercise or something like that. For you. No, I think for, I, I think this is pretty, I'm just saying, I think anybody with ADHD, you should give it a shot. If they can. Mileage may vary, but because we can't dispense medical advice here. It's not medical advice. Okay. It's a little bit medical advice, but it's, this is not intended it's to cure. advice. Right. It's not intended to cure or treat. <laughs> no, there's no curing or treating. Yeah. I mean, every day. I know. I just, just disclaimer. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> you asked. We're at an hour 22. Um, we're at 22 hours? Yeah, we're at almost 26 hours. All right. I don't know. I don't know what to do. We can cut stuff out of this, too. I mean, nah, I'm just, I'm like, we're just going to post it. This is the most chill episode ever of Ologies. I, know, I just the got fewest, really anxious. No, 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 no. I just meant, again, a happy birthday to me. I mean, I could do tons on HD. I'm not going to. I'm just going to stop. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay, um, what else? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to look through because there's so much. Pick one at random or scroll to the end. Lindsay Howells. Hi, Allie. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate the way you cultivate such an inclusive online community with your curiosity and willingness to authentically show up and learn in public. Yeah. I feel like you could do a whole episode on this or teach a class, but I would love to know more about how you build an inclusive community and what the challenges have been in creating it. You seem to do it so gracefully, but I'm sure there have been struggles or backlash or nasty comments at times. How do you cope with those things and maintain your unapologetic yet compassionate attitude for those who give you shit? Oh, that's really nice. Um, I think that it's very much golden rule stuff. I don't like for people to feel excluded from anything. I don't like for people to feel othered because I've felt that in so many ways in my life. And the idea that anyone would feel unwelcome somewhere makes me want to cry. So I like to make sure people feel seen and included and that also people are able to look at other people in a way that's much more dimensional because I feel like a lot of times people forget that there are whole human beings behind a person's eyes. And so I think I try to do that with ologies, have different ologists on with different perspectives and different histories and stuff. Um, and hopefully what comes out of this show is not only are scientists real people, but everyone's a has an interesting backstory and everyone has context to what they love and what they hate. And everyone has these experiences and this knowledge that you would never know unless you tapped it with some sort of curiosity and empathy. So that's really important to me. Um, the biggest backlash I think I've ever gotten is the only, most of my like one star reviews are people who are like, love the show. Great show. Love everything about it. Asked pronouns. I'm out. And so the asking of pronouns is something that um, weeds out listeners who don't really like that inclusion. But um, that started, I've had a lot of trans guests on and also someone who's, you know, their partner was non-binary. They're like, if you ask pronouns, it helps normalize that for all of us. And I was like, that's a good point. And so I think then I started doing that. But also I did a gynecology episode and I thought I was being inclusive 
um, by calling it women's health. And I talked a lot about trans women in it, but I completely failed to include trans men who have operating parts that a gynecologist can work on. And so um, I got some feedback on that like hours after I posted. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't consider that. I, I didn't approach that in the most inclusive way. And I just take that as a helpful tip from people because I don't think anyone wants to admonish me or make me feel bad. I think people are just like, Hey, just so you know, this was an oversight. And so I corrected it as soon as I could. And I learned a lot in the process. And I learned a lot about, um, just this was years ago, but I think this came out like 2018, but about non-binary identities. And anyway, so, um, so I think that I trust y'all that if you are giving me feedback on something, it's something that you want me to know for the betterment of myself and the show and for other listeners, because I have the opportunity to like pass it on to other people. So sometimes I got to learn publicly that way I can help teach other people why that context matters. So, but yeah, um, pronouns are a sticking point for some people. They don't like hearing about that. And I say, fine, that's fine. You can you can listen to things elsewhere, but that's how we do things in my house mm-hmm. here. And, um, but I also get um, some backlash just calling me, you know, like ugly and stupid and stuff. Yeah. That's sometimes. weird. Yeah. Do you? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, but that's like. But that's usually from like accounts that are like. It's like a nothing. Uh, it's like Patriot 49964, you know. On Twitter or something, yeah, you know, where yeah, I'm like, like uh, yeah. mm, okay, mm-hmm. you know, right. That's just like such a nut. That's like it's like so childish and strange. That you're just like, huh? This is kind of like a nothing. Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, Paulina Tar, mm-hmm. this is kind of on this. You seem like a person who knows themselves so well. Huh. You have such a special voice and sense of self. How did you find that? Asking as an early twenties person trying to find that for myself. That's sweet. Um, I think I know myself too well sometimes because I'm too introspective and I'm I'm always trying to tinker under the hood to be like, how does this thing run? And uh, all, but then again, I wouldn't say I'm wholly self-aware. But I think that um, at one point, I think I realized that you can you can be a little bit weirder than you think it's okay because we tend to put on like this facade, this like a harder shell than we need to, to like polish ourselves. And I think that that just results in a lot of homogeny. And so I think that you can be a little weirder than you think is okay. And you're much safer than you think you are. And also that's what makes people interesting. So um, I always try to just um, default to the truth in whatever I'm think saying or thinking or writing, what's the most true statement? Because usually that's... Um, what is the most gratifying to put out. And also it, t- it tends to be more relatable. So I think that if you feel weird, then you should be weird. Don't hurt anyone else. But if you feel weird, you should be weird. A hundred, hundred percent. I have a post-it note on my desk that says, be weirder than you think is okay. And when I'm writing, I try to remember if I'm writing an aside or if I'm researching something or da, 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 da. Then... I think, am I playing it safe here? Or can this get a little grosser or weirder or more professional? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, 
All right, I, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a few like kind of show show making. Oh my god, we're almost done. Okay, we got we got to get near the end, but I want to hit some ones that a lot of people wanted. Okay, okay. A lot of people ask something around along these lines, but this is Hezzy Anholt. How many hours a week ish <laughs> do you put into ologies? Is it your main gig? Would you All make it them. your primary full time thing, or do you have? A primal need to always be involved in multiple projects simultaneously, everything, everywhere, all at once. Hi, yes, I have ADHD too, probably. this person. Um, It is my full-time gig now, Mm -hmm. but I do have a lot of projects usually in the works, like other TV shows or I was consulting on a lot of shows. And this past year, I think I've really said no to more things because um, Ologies is is my main full-time job. And I... uh, it's more reliable and more um, gratifying work than a lot of the work I do. I love a lot of my jobs, but this is the most true to me. And um, it, uh, in terms of hours, it takes all of them, I think. I mean, it's right now, it's the day after Christmas and when your sister's guest bedroom we're recording this. But that's because I took a lot of time off this week to just chill and, yeah. and eat like panettone and stuff. As one should. As one should. But I would say the number of hours I put in used to be like 80 hours a week. And I think I've shaved it down to like 50, 60 maybe. Um, But it's, yeah. yeah. But I mean, a lot of it is I just go down research rabbit holes because I think they're really fascinating too. But we all, and then we also have Susan Hale, managing director, who does so much on the show, and she does like all of our financials. She does a ton of social media. She's manages the whole thing. We have Noelle, who does all the scheduling. Um, who I don't know how I would get places without her reminding me, and um, and Mercedes, who does all the editing. So I started this without any of that, and so so I'm I'm so lucky because I I couldn't I couldn't do yeah this job without him at this um, point. All right, I promise we're wrapping up. We got a handful. Okay. okay. I'm sorry I have the sniffles caffeine also. asked with a K, caffeine. Ten a bunch of people wanted it. How do you discern who would make a good ologist to interview before you commit to interviewing them? How often do you have to throw out interviews? Ask me as someone who has very bad trust <laughs> issues. Ha ha. <laughs> um I like listening. I love okay, first the work comes first. I I look at their work and I think, oh, this is cool that they study this. They've maybe um, written some papers or they do their own sci-com on it. Typically, passion is a big leader in terms of whether or not I want to pick them to be on the show if they're passionate about something. Um, I'll maybe watch YouTube videos that they've done and think, oh, great, they seem excited. And I love reaching out to them and being like, hi, you mean... You probably don't know me, but I would love to talk about your life for a while um, and hearing back from them. And uh, I will also see what other things they posted to see if they are have said anything wildly offensive or racist, misogynistic, which happens every once in a while. And I say, no, I don't really want this person on the show. Um, it just They can have whatever platform they want, just perhaps not mine at that moment because I am... Uh, very protective of my listeners in terms of what I expose them to. And um, I have shit canned two episodes. One of them was about an animal, but we ended up really talking much more about the harvesting of this animal and factory farming. And I felt a little weird about it. And so I, it's kind of on the back, it's in a folder called back burner. 
Um, and then another was, oh gosh, I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> People got really mad at me about the witchology episode because I talked to someone who was practicing witch and some people were saying, why couldn't you get someone who is a scholar in this? And number one, it's like this person has a ton of lived experience. They've written several books about it. They have their own spiritual beliefs. And and I was interested to hear what those were. But I did interview someone about a topic adjacent to this who was very scholarly and um, ended up saying some things that were misogynistic and racist during the interview I found, and I'm not going to name any names, but I felt like they had a very good platform to denounce some forms of um, racism, and they didn't. So I said, I think I'm going to put this one in the in the note bucket. And so what I got uh, when people were upset about the witchology, a couple of people were upset about the witchology episode not being academic enough. And I was like, oh, you have no idea what I've spared you. So that is why I went the direction I did with it is I wanted to talk to someone who had a really, uh, had a wide breadth of experience and knowledge from a lot of different angles, both uh, European and indigenous and happened they were non-binary which is helpful because talking about gender roles anyway so if you disliked the witchology episode if you've listened to this much of this ama episode i uh and you disliked it just just know that there was a reason why i i um selected that guest i thought they were perfect for it continue okay we're gonna do like two more okay because oh there's gosh. so many we could do so many i know i know i know i know this is just a ticky tech one you decide if you want to give this secret away Aaron asked, I've always wondered how you find the audio snippets for movies. Do you usually have a specific <laughs> phrase or scene in mind? Do you have to Google them? Or is there a database somewhere? There's a secret database. I'm not willing to give up our source for that. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> wow. just not going to do it. I'm oh just God. not going to do it. I prefer wow. to keep that um, well, a secret. Well. And I usually, when I'm, when I'm listening to the episode, um, I will put a note there of what I would want someone to say in response. And then I'll go look for that in a clip or part of the conversation will remind me of something pop cultural that I'll want to put in there. But sometimes uh, a lot of times to the clips are, are there to kind of break up moments or as a transition from one thought to the next, if I have to do an edit or as just something to kind of, a proxy for what the audience might be thinking or what might be some subtext of what we're talking about. And so I'll usually, we'll think up something that I would want to hear there and then I'll search for a, a quote that would match that. But I'm not willing to give up my secrets. You're going to have to tickle them out of me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. The, um, I can't believe you're keeping that one. I know. Us. That's really, I'm, I'm, wow. That's for a future AMA. <laughs> There's a lot more for future AMAs for sure. Okay, there was one final one, and I want to find it because they phrased it so well. Thank you for interviewing with me. Thank you for doing this, Cher. It's been so great. I this is this is I, I'm going to be earnest right now. If anyone's listening this long, this is a very vulnerable thing for me to do because it's I it it feels I'm trying not to feel like too self indulgent about it by being like, yes, let's talk about me, 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 me. And also, um, I'm conscious of the fact that I say, um, and, and such, I typically like to cut those out if I'm being sloppy. I, I wouldn't dictation. describe you as sloppy at all, Thank to be you. honest. Thank you. All right. Yes. 
Boreal Becca says, mm-hmm. is this an alleology episode? Well, well, well. Then we must know. What's the best and worst parts of your job? And a lot of people <laughs> wanted this. <laughs> Just so you know, Will, Dave DeBearmaker, Becky Sassy Seeger, scientist, you know, Becky, Kate sometimes, Mofa, et cetera. What do you got? Best, worst and best. Worst part of the job is trying to social media because, um, because, a lot of times, just the thing where you're writing something in an Instagram post and then you press one button and you go back and you lose your whole caption. So I try to write them in another program or notes app. I'm always thinking I need to social media more, but I'm also like, I have to work on the next episode. So I can't spend a whole day social media in this and then be late on the next episode. So that's very difficult. If someone's a social media expert and wants to throw their hat in a ring, LA-based, do holler. You'll find our contacts at alleyward.com. That would be fantastic. Must be TikTok literate and willing to tell me what to post sometimes. Um, Maybe even come over, say, Allie, we're gonna, I'm going to film you for this for TikToks, okay? And then she just does it, and then you put it on there. And then you say, Allie, we're going to spend six hours learning a dance so we can put a 10-second clip up. Well, that would be great as well. Right. Um, so... Do holler. Um, that's the worst. The, worst is social media. That's the hardest part because I always feel like I could be doing more, but I also, as soon as I hop on social media, also before I know it, you know, I'm I'm dick deep in something I don't want to be looking at. I hear you. You know, I'm on someone's cousin's in laws yogurt making page. I'm like, what am I? I got shit to do. So social media is a difficult for me. Um, best part about my job. I love finding the ologists and I love when they write me back. There's a certain kind of message you get, like if you were to say text your crush and you were to see a notification from them, when you have an email in your inbox that you've been waiting for, there's a certain dopamine spike that happens when I get an email back from an ologist I've reached out to that is, it's like a jackpot. It's like, Loose slots, coins coming out of the sky. And it's a great feeling. And I say, I may have a new friend. And um, as I've gotten busier, Noelle will, uh, as a scheduling producer, will reach out as first contact um, because I got very busy and I got very, very sick. And I had to have uh, over the summer, y'all know that. And I had to shirk some of my responsibilities onto my very capable team. And I do... So now I, the last month or so, I've been reaching out to people more, again, myself, because the last six, six months or so, I was, I was not feeling so great. But um, we also did a ton of episodes that we have banked from before I got pneumonia, et cetera. And those are still coming out. So someone the other day, uh, Connor They Them on Patreon asked me, what happened to those episodes that you recorded in early summer? I'm still putting them out and I like to intersperse them with like maybe an animal one here. Here's a medical one. Here's one about um, something sociological. So I like to mix them up. So I'm spreading them out. Great. Thank you for that question. I, my second favorite thing about the job, hanging out in a bed, talking about myself. Clearly not because <laughs> this was unbelievably painful for I'm you. I'm sorry. I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be much easier, but... 
No, you're. This is great. I appreciate this. I love you so much. I love you. I love you so much. Thanks for listening to uh, just a podcast host and a and a dog and a husband mm-hmm. asking questions. Yeah, Mercedes Maitland. We are sorry that you did not uh, give these questions out. Um, we you just do it more regularly. Out. Just we'll do more regularly. See. Do it all. Do, do, we might yeah. perhaps a, a patron only perk because sure. I I um I would like to get back to doing some live streams. I haven't done some yeah. in a little bit, and I like doing them once a month. So we'll do more uh, weird stuff on on patreon.com slash ologies. I just keep hearing the theme song in my head because I know I'm going to put it in here somewhere. So, you know. Thank you for doing this uh, in your uh, in yeah. your sister's guest house. Oh, it's so nice. It's lovely. Any 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 um advice, Jarrett, for people who want to start a podcast? Just do it, man. Just do it. No, I mean, kind of, but also you have better advice. Make it a show. That would be my that would be my advice. Yeah. I was like, if you're going to start a podcast, make sure it's a show. You know like what I mean? Have a, have, think about the structure and the format. Think about why people listen. Like people listen to a podcast or whatever. They watch a video to get something from it, to put it in their pocket yep. and say, my life is, is a little bit different and, and perhaps a little bit better now. And so um, think about why you consume the media you consume and what you're getting from it, what you're yep. taking away from it. And so think when you're starting a podcast or when you're doing something like that, like what are people coming to me for? Right. And um and what do what do I have to offer? What do you want to disseminate? Yeah. And one thing that I hope that Ologies does is not just facts about things, but also like a um kind of inspiring like some curiosity and some wonder and, and things yeah. like that. And so and also this notion that like people are are much more human and complex and yeah. imperfect and, and perfect in that way. And so what are people coming to your thing for? So think about that. Um, don't, but, yeah, don't leave your audience out. Yeah, I, I was going to say, but also on a very baseline level, because yes, your show does all those things. Mm-hmm. But on a very baseline level, your show has a simple promise that is fulfilled every week. Which is? You're going to speak to an ologist. That's true. From some ology. That's the hook. But I'm just saying that, is very important. That makes it a show. Right, right, right. As right. opposed to, my roommate and I are really funny. We're always just having these funny conversations. I think we just record our funny conversations. Right. We're going to be so into that. Right, which this is the most that of any episode I've ever done. So it's Yeah, but you earned it. You earned it. You've okay. done a lot of the other kind. And it's the holidays. But we're not even trying to be funny. I mean, if we were trying to be oh, funny, uh, we're so, we are I'm so pleased. funny. I'm going to hit myself in the head <laughs> with a microphone. All right, let's, let's wrap this thing I'm up. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, think of segments. Uh, think of what your show has to yeah, offer. And think of like a little hook. If someone had to describe it in one sentence, how would they describe it? Um, you know, if people say, "Oh, you have, oh, you make a podcast," they say, "Yeah." And they go, "What is it about?" And I say, "It's called Ologies." We talk to a different ologist every week. You know, like geology, thermophysiology, and then I name a couple ologies. And they go, "And oh. they oh, I get it. Wow, that's a, yeah. that sounds interesting. I'll tune in." All right, I love you so much. Have a great uh, holiday. <laughs> Uh, do, do we have a secret that we want to tell at the end of this? Do you have a secret you want to tell at the end of this? Uh, the secret that I want to tell at the end of this is that I'm wearing, I'm recording this in pajamas and I have been wearing, it's, it's currently close to midnight Eastern time and I've been wearing these pajamas all day and I haven't changed out of them. That's all day. not even that crazy a secret. I feel like, I they, woke I feel like up a lot of other people listening are going to be like, hey, that's yeah, me. I'm just saying because I'm sweaty right now. And so I, I say, felt podcast like... Podcast hosts, they're just like us. 
That's true. They are. They sweat in their pajamas for days at a time at their in-law's house. And they play Guess My Fart with our family members. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. That is lingering because this is like real life. This is like trying to get off the phone. I'm trying to think of a better. uh, uh, One other secret is I don't. I don't have COVID, but I do have a little bit of a runny nose, and so during the recording of this, I have been shoving a um, a a paper towel periodically up my nose. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, it's been so nice talking to you.